Coming soon to a theater near you, it's the Equalizer. It's a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, The Ghost of Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? Yeah. You said I wouldn't remember. Last week, We, you said I wasn't going to remember. I am the spirit of madison jones to remind you to not do to focus on the good things in life mike noel don't squander this podcast life oh god are you podcast <laughs> jacob marley in me <laughs> it's not about the money 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 yeah it's about the women <laughs> yep yep that's why we do this That's- those pod babes. Pod babes. Pod babes. All right. I'm corporeal now, so I <laughs> walk me through that process. Oh, I and then now oh. I'm corporeal, and then I'm I gonna see. go. Now I'm the ghost again. Cool. I'm gonna find a way to make you alive again, so that this doesn't become a recurring bit of you one making those noises with your mouth constantly. Oh, what the, what noise? And to... <laughs> those noises yeah those noises but cool (laughs) so so we're doing sky captain again yeah as you can tell by the fact that we're doing a movie we've already covered we're kind of fresh out of relevant jokes yeah to that movie it's it's not an air on your podcast feed we're we're doing this on purpose because if you listen to last week you it would make sense to you that's right so a, a refresher for those of you who did listen but forgot for some reason uh, Madison and I are trying a new idea of creating a trilogy. So we picked a movie that didn't get a sequel or a prequel, and we're giving it both. Last week, Madison pitched the prequel Sky, or sorry, Little Captain and the World of Yesterday, in which we we took the four main characters, roughly, of the first movie, uh, Sky Captain, his mechanic slash friend Dex, the toughest nail street reporter, Polly Perkins, and then Frankie, the one-eyed Angelina Jolie uh, helicarrier commander, and shrunk them down to basically little rascals. And they had a pretty wild time with uh, some mystical artifacts. So today I'm here to wrap up the this entire ungainly, not terribly compelling package. <laughs> it's a pretty wrapping paper and a bow. So we can put it under your podcast Christmas tree. Yeah. And Mike is going, uh, has apparently incorporated some elements from my mm-hmm. uh, movie yeah. uh, into his sequel. So that that was the idea of this, is where I make a prequel, and then Mike has to incorporate not only the original movie, but elements of the prequel instead. Yeah. In, in, a, in my mind, the perfect version of this was, the prequel would be much more narratively connected to the original. Oh yeah, sorry. So mine would be kind of no, it's fine. Mine would be kind of the end of the arc of this, but uh, it's fine. Like it, you gave me enough to work with that it's. It, I, I'm pleased with what I've got, and I think you'll be too. Before we do that, though, it's reviews time. Yeah. Uh, and Madison, I ain't got any tomatoes this week. So I got the IMDs. The what? The IMDs. The IMDbs. Oh sure. The IMDbs. Yeah. The uh. The bees. The bees. Medicine with the bee's knees. The bee's knees of I am the bees. So, I have a few ones. Uh, short ones this week. So, I did another 
a different tactic with reviews this week um, mm-hmm. where I sorted them to earliest to most recent and just did the ones that were actually in 2004. Oh, okay, uh, cool. so I think it's going to it's actually more interesting so, to see what people's initial reactions were. To so the these film. are the hot takes. These are the hot takes of 2004. These aren't the rotten tomatoes that pop has been squishing no. recently. These are the these are the flapjack reviews yeah. hot off the griddle. Yeah. <laughs> Freshly plucked tomatoes <laughs> of the review. The plump tomatoes. Yeah. So review number one. Freddie Shoop says, save your money. Go see Collateral instead. Damn. Yeah. I've never seen that movie. Have you? I haven't either. No. Okay. Mr. Quint says, Skycap. Mr. Quint. <laughs> Mr. Quint says, Sky Captain. More like Sky Crapton. M- oh. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the Turt Alert review from last week. You see, that seems like not very funny to us now, but in 2004, oh, fucking yeah. gold, right? Oh, man. Probably the first time that joke had ever been said. Yeah. Comedy birth in the IMDb page of Sky yeah. Captain in 2004. This one's a little longer. And the title of it is, oh, it's done by a reviewer called Gur24. Maybe a mm-hmm. sweet Invader Zim reference, I guess? I would bet. It is 2004, so the title of it is, Why does everyone constantly have sunlight in their faces? In every damn scene, in every damn location, even miles under the freaking sea, it looks stupid and is really distracting because all I can think about was that Bette Midler song from Beaches and the line... To never have the sunlight on your face, which, if in an alternative universe, was part of Sky Captain soundtrack, it would be rewritten as to always have sunlight on your face. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now, Beaches, despite being overrated by so many, is relatively good and worth watching, maybe once, but I can't say the same thing for Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. It is pure garbage of the smelliest kind. Avoid. That was a very, like, that, that review went a lot of places. It did. It had a recommendation for another movie. It referenced a song. And, yeah. Mess, I think our, our King Dwarf review should reference just, like, a bunch of other movies. Yeah. Speaking of King Dwarf, we should give him another another spot on yeah, that. Yeah, we should check back in with our old pal, Super Reviewer. Yeah. For new listeners, uh, King Dwarf is the our reviewer pseudonym. Uh, mm-hmm. that we create reviews on this podcast in the stupidest way possible by yeah. doing them one word at a time. Yeah, the titles are one word at a time. The review is, we alternate sentences, but... Yeah. So. Let's check in with our old friend. All right. <sighs> That's my king dwarf. Getting ready to be king dwarf. Gotcha. I thought you were just becoming extra corporeal. Okay. So. Do you want to start it or do you want me to? I'll start. Cool. Uh, so the title for this review is I Spy with my little French fry a ketchup stained flick period. <laughs> I spy with my little French fry a ketchup stained flick. Yep. Oh, boy. Okay. And the review itself is, they should be ashamed of themselves. It makes me sad when more movies don't do what... Mike is looking on his shelf. 
next to his Shut up, Madison. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. This is all part of the review. They do what the Grand Budapest Hotel did. And hired stage horses, stage coaches, to bring everyone to the set that day. And by that, I mean make Jude Law's part as small as possible. Period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to say, King Dwarf 69 really knows how to weave a, a metaphor you're not suspecting. That they should have done what Grand Budapest Hotel did and hire stage coaches to bring everyone to set every day. And what he means by that is they should have just minimized Jude Law's part in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I never would have come up with that right. metaphor. I mean, he's one of the greatest thinkers of our time. Mm-hmm. We are actually uh, working on a book deal. King Dwarf 69's various reviews. It's one of those uh, coffee table books. But enough with King Dwarf. We should get into... Your sequel to Sky Captain and The World of Tomorrow. All right, so I followed this kind of the train of thought that you you seem to have gone with a little bit, and that the original movie did. And I I looked to comic genre type stuff, and this movie takes place after World War One, so uh, in the thirties, I think is I think it's it's in like the nineteen thirties, mm-hmm. so. Uh, I went with that, and World War II is, like, just around the corner. So I thought to myself, well, like, war comics, war is a big thing. And also, like, the two-fisted adventures coming up against, like, dread Nazi super science, like, monsters and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then your, uh, following that train of thought, your idea also then kind of s- seeped its way in, like, a six-tentacled riddle octopus. Would you say it seeped its way in or just stabbed its way in? Yeah, it a little of both. Okay. So you know how uh, there's the video of that octopus that like can fit through the hole the size of like a penny or something, like squeeze itself through? Yeah. It's like that, except all the tentacles have knives also. Yeah. So my uh, movie is called Sky Captain and the Man of Tomorrow. Ooh. It's 1939 and the world is once again at war. Though the United States has yet to officially enter the fray, many of her heroes are fighting the Nazis on the ground and in the skies. Meanwhile, USO photojournalist Polly Perkins is languishing firmly behind Allied lines, reporting on the battles after they've taken place and only from official military statements. She wants to be out on the front lines. It's been some time since she's last seen Sky Captain or Dex. They write occasionally, but frequently his missions are so covert and top secret he doesn't get her letters for months and rarely has time to reply. Oh, wait, that relationship's not working out? No I way. Mean, it's, yeah, it's more that the war okay. kind of has has made it more impossible for them to like talk or see each other. It's not necessarily that they've drifted apart. It's kind of the, as most war narratives go, with the, just the, they just don't see each other. They don't have time or the luxury of being able to like talk to each other every day or whatever war crossed lovers yeah you should write that down that's your new ya novel right yeah war crossed lovers uh what's give me a little what's the just a quick like the tagline for that novel love is the battlefield fuck you jesus one day the base comes under attack the base that Polly's like stationed at soldiers running everywhere firing into the smoke and explosions we see shadows in the smoke and ash of a lone figure spraying barrages of bullets. Polly is helping panicked civilians escape 
when the figure is upon them. She turns and starts snapping pictures, dazing the figure with the flash, but this only buys a few seconds. Polly closes her eyes, waiting for it to end, and then nothing. She opens her eyes and the figure is gone. We hear the sound of a single plane's engine. Looking up, she sees Sky Captain's plane terracing overhead. From a rooftop nearby, the figure starts firing again. Sky Captain swoops to dodge, but the figure is already firing there. No matter what tricks Cap pulls, the figure is already a step ahead. Finally, the plane bursts into flames and crashes. As he's shooting, Polly pulls a grenade from the body of a dead soldier and lobs it at the figure. It explodes and knocks the figure off the roof. Polly runs towards the wreckage of Sky Captain's plane and drags Joe's body from the burning hunk of metal. Looking around, the figure is nowhere to be seen, but Polly finds a strange compass covered in odd symbols. The center of the dial has an engraving for the symbol of the Hammer of Thor. Is this the golden compass again? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And Daniel Craig! No, um, I will say quickly for people who might have forgotten, Sky Captain's real name is Joe. I kind of alternate between them in this, so I'm just... So it's not like a weird... I keep talking about Sky Captain, and then suddenly there's Joe dudes there. Yeah. Soldiers shouting in the distance can be heard getting closer. Polly starts to call for them, but Joe stops her. They have to get out of here before the soldiers arrive. She says he's hurt and needs a doctor, but he begs her to trust him. She helps him to his feet, and they escape into the night. I think there's a tense sequence here of them trying to keep one step ahead of pursuers. I mean, it's their own soldiers, so there is like an element of, like, why are we hiding? But they're trying basically not to be found. Yeah. They're um, doing super secret science. Joe is clearly injured, so it ups the tension. Eventually, they make it to the road and climb into the back of a truck passing by. Here we get Polly dressing the wound and getting answers. Who was that man? Joe says no one knows. They've been calling him the Ubermensch. <laughs> Some kind of Superman Hitler's boys managed to make. No one's ever lived to describe him, and they have no idea how he does what he does. Polly says she might be able to help and holds up the camera. Joe says they need to get to Morocco. <laughs> Why? Cut to Morocco. Joe and Polly arrive. They move through the vibrant and probably culturally offensively stereotyped streets. They make their way to a bar and take a seat at a booth in the back. Polly is telling Joe they need to find a dark room for her film and not just hang out in bars. The waiter approaches and asks what they want to drink. Joe orders whiskey. Polly, not looking up, says she doesn't want anything. The waiter insists and she looks up to snap at him. It's Dex in a ridiculously fake mustache. What? He winks at her and sits down. Joe presses a button under the table and the whole wall swivels, shifting their table to a secret room and leaving an identical empty booth where they were. The secret room is an antechamber to a fully stocked bunker. This is a fallback base for Team Sky Captain. It's been widely reported that Sky Captain died in the wreckage in the Air Force base, and this is what Joe was after. This is why they were hiding from their own people, was he kind of, now he can operate against the soldier the ubermensch seek like Got more it. secretly again it's not as much of a he, they think he's off the board he's he, he's a ghost he's yeah sure the ghost of sky captain isn't that what ghost protocol is about is about them thinking he's dead probably i've never seen those movies uh, I know, i've heard that they're the, like they get pretty good yeah but won't well, i don't need to watch them because we can't do them for this that's true joe is pleased at the news that everyone thinks he's dead this was his plan we get a little more exposition that Hitler reopened Unit 11, and they're behind the Ubermensch. Dex asks Polly for her camera so that they can develop her photos. While he does that, Joe continues to talk about how they've been hunting down Unit 11 bases across the globe, looking for what Hitler used to create his super soldier. He's fast, strong, highly imp slash impossibly skilled, apparently invulnerable, and he's always gone before anyone can respond. Dex returns with the photos. 
We see a muscular, blonde-haired, blue-eyed man holding some form of machine gun with a large clip sticking out of the bottom. I don't, like, machine guns these days, that is just, like, the way, like, an automatic rifle is to some extent. But back then, that wasn't necessarily, I'm not an expert in World War II guns, Mm -hmm. so I just was like, fuck it. For this, they can, like, this is a gun that they maybe had specially made. I don't know. He's wearing a combat suit with his dog tags hanging over the top and is glowering at the camera from behind a glass monocle. Ooh. Sky Captain doesn't seem faced by this, so Dex shows him another shot. Both Sky Captain and Polly lean in, shocked. The Ubermensch is recoiling from the light of the camera. His gun arm is thrown over his eyes, and we see connected to the clip on the rifle is an old coin glowing faintly, and on the wrist is a bracelet also glowing. Okay. Okay. Sky Captain flips back to the first shot and looks more closely at the dog tags. Oh, man. The artifacts. You set me up with these artifacts, and I was thinking, like, okay, so how do I work these into, like, Nazi super science? And then I thought, well, the Ubermensch. Yeah. Like, that works. And then I just, I, I, I tweaked the artifacts just a little bit more, like, broad strokes in, in, in theory. I, I tweaked the, I, the way that we look at it in, in theory than, like, retconned anything. So, in theory, the Ubermensch can see in the future for a short period. The coin would allow him to conjure maybe, like, ammunition or something. And the bracelet allows him to recall... The bracelet is the one I tweaked a little bit. Okay. And I will get to that. Okay. I'm just I'm just making guesses at this point. I you, was you, like... you are correct up to the things you said uh, so far. I mean, I, I don't really dig into like, oh, this does this! Yeah. Exclamation, whatever. The dog tags, you'll recall, if you get hurt, somebody else takes the damage, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is how he's seemingly invulnerable. So they're shooting the shit out of him, but somebody else is basically dying God in his damn. place. Yes, the uh, so the way I tweaked the bracelet, it was what the, what, the way you you set it up was that Polly wanted to be a famous journalist, and so the bracelet gave her the ability to draw photorealistically. So I kind of turned it a little bit that it gives you the skills for the job at hand or the thing that you want to accomplish. Okay. So for Polly, it was very specifically photorealistic drawing because she wanted to be a photojournalist. Okay. So like I said, it's a bit of a tweak. I think it's still in the spirit of what you were going for. Yeah, yeah. It's like he wants to be a super soldier, so he it gives him the gumption to. I was thinking more like I need to be a demolitions expert for this mission. I know demolitions. Like it, I have the skills of a demolitions expert. It's like an info download. It, yeah, it like it's, gives you the skill, whatever you need at hand. Uh, it's like the thing from Chuck. Yeah. The uh, the oh um shit. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, the I'm just gonna get up. Nerds don't kill us. <laughs> um, please don't sick subway on us. Don't don't tell me until give me like thirty seconds. I, I just googled Chuck mind thing. My name is Jake, just Jake. I can't tell you my last name or where I live. Or even promise you, Jake is my real first name. What I can tell you, what is absolutely true, is that they are here. Have you ever looked up at the night sky and wondered if there was alien life out there? Stop wondering. They're called Yurks. They're here on Earth, and they aren't friendly. The Yurks are parasites, 
They're slugs that crawl into your ear and wrap around your brain and take control of your body. Anyone could be controlled by a yerk. Your teacher? Your parents? You? Me and my five friends, Rachel, Cassie, Marco, Tobias, and Axe, are the only ones who have any chance of stopping the yerks. Because we have powers. The power to morph into any animal we can touch. We are the Animorphs. Hear our story every Friday on Audiomorphs, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, all right, I don't have it. I it's I think it it's like in something, um, but I give up. I failed. What is it? The intersect. God fucking damn it! <laughs> like like you, I knew that I. I it was like I, I'm sure it's in here somewhere. But I know I'm not going to come up with it. So I just looked it up and then I was like, yeah, I never would have gotten to that. I, I didn't dislike Chuck, but I never really watched it that much. So I, I blasted through like the first like four seasons, I think. And then mm-hmm. it got a little weird and I didn't like it anymore. So I stopped watching. But let's continue. What do we where did we leave off? I'm sorry. I don't even remember. <laughs> the next deleted <laughs> scenes episode is going to just be Madison trying to come to the intersect and reeling. OK, so. The Ubermensch is recoiling from the light of the camera. His gun arm is thrown over his eyes, and we see connected to the clip on the rifle an old coin glowing faintly, and on the wrist a bracelet also glowing. Sky Captain flips back to the first shot and looks more closely at the dog tags. Um, I didn't put this bit in, but I think that it's somehow brought up that, like, Sky Captain and Dex told each other about their weird shit day. Yeah. And... Whether or not they knew about Polly's, or they definitely didn't know about Frankie's, because you established that they didn't really know Frankie yeah. back then. Um, so, th- but they know about their two things. He looks at Dex, and they both say Totenkopf's baubles. Polly asks what that means, and Dex explains that they intercepted a German communique referencing Totenkopf's baubles being shipped to a Unit Eleven facility codenamed Valhalla. Originally, they thought the baubles were something to do with the stuff. And Sky Captain One, so like his genetics research mm-hmm. or any like any of that, just any of his weird gizmos from the first movie. Yeah, they think Valhalla is where the Ubermensch is operating out of, but they've never been able to find it. Dex and Joe start talking about the coin and the dog tags, but that was over twenty years ago, and they don't even recognize the monocle or the bracelet. Polly then gives them the down low on the bracelet and her story. Uh, they sort of piece together slash work out the bracelet gives you the skill you need to achieve your goal. For Polly, it was photorealistic drawing abilities, but they're still lost on the monocle. Just says to put the image out to all SSO channels, which was the basically the precursor to the, I think, FBI, mm-hmm. or no, CIA. The least they can do is let everyone know what this guy looks like. Polly pulls the compass out. That's not the least they can do. Cut to Polly and Joe in a new plane behind enemy lines. The plane is sleeker than the previous one, and shinier. Polly is in the back, checking the compass against a map. Uh, suddenly, Polly makes him turn around. Then again. It becomes clear that they're circling a specific spot. Using binoculars, Polly sees they're circling a manor house, and, of course, can tell what the crest is on the various flags flying from the dirt. <laughs> A griffin rampant, encircled by stars with crossed sabers behind it. And, uh, Madison, this is where my notes run out. Uh, I kind of ran into paralysis by analysis of, I had a lot of ideas that I thought were okay, but I never really settled on one. 
Okay. And so I ended up kind of crapping out here. I know that I want them to end up at like a very spooky, like gothic castle. Because that was a bit that was a trend I think at the time of like the Nazi super scientists in like dr- like draconian gothic castles with monsters and stuff and uh, so my other thought was that they come here it's, it's a party it's kind of like Wonder Woman where they have to like infiltrate this Nazi party ever seen it to okay well there's a scene where they have to go undercover in a party like a fancy party to get some information. This one, I think they steal a map. In my mind, the compass leads you to a map that will take you, like, the compass always leads you to, leads you to the it. map. It's Okay. Yeah. It doesn't take you straight to Valhalla, the Valhalla site or whatever. It's, you, it takes you to a place where then there is a map. <laughs> like, I don't, it's, it's a weird, so... I didn't want them to just basically, the, the attack happens, they get saved, they find the compass, they immediately go, the movie's over. Like, I needed kind of a middle thing, and I also thought this, this was a very comic booky. Mm-hmm. middle thing of like the compass led us to a map so do you feel like it is uh, like the compass is magic or do you think it's a technology thing because um, all of Totenkopf's things are technology but that seems somewhat <clears throat> fantastical because if it's technology because um, I have an idea <laughs> I think it's magic only because uh, famously, Hitler was obsessed with the like occult, yeah. and looking for occult weapons and things. And I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of in the comics, a lot of Nazis also like the heroes went up against Nazis with magical mm-hmm. artifacts and stuff. So I think it's less Totenkopf's. This isn't really his ball game anymore. They're using those tokens that he made at the beginning. Got it. Or in the prequel that he had. Uh, he is not really a pl- in my mind. He's not a player in this at all. Like he's dead and gone, and everything's like he's he's done. It's just they are using these inventions of his, okay, for their Ubermensch. So I I think magic for the compass. So my idea, right off the bat, mm-hmm. is uh, since it's an occult item, and they're going to this mansion, um, mm-hmm. I think there is a party, and it's like some sort of super secret, like. Oh, Alistair, yes. Alistair Crawley, like oh, some man. sort of like ritual thing, or or it's some sort of masquerade, like sex party or something. <laughs> like famously in the World War Two, yeah, comics for children, yeah, <laughs> Nazi um, masquerade sex parties, but no, some sort of occult party, I think. Yeah, um, no, I love it, like a a, a a Nazi magic cult, yeah, party. Um, and I think maybe that the compass leads to the map because just because it's magic and we can do whatever at this point yeah yeah i mean uh there's a symbol on it that oh, the, the hammer of thor the hammer that i set up just to for the valhalla connection yeah which is also a great uh movie title yeah uh, i think there's a symbol on it that when that symbol is on the map like it leads mm-hmm. to things that have these symbols on it no that's that is perfect yeah, and what the map would lead to would be probably like. I mean, I, in my mind, the map leads you to the draconian gothic castle base of the Ubermensch. That's what I. That's what I intended. Like I said, I needed a third middle thing here, so it wasn't just like okay, set up, end of movie. So they uh, go to this mansion party, mm-hmm. a cult party, mm-hmm. and they find the map. Maybe it's in, um. Maybe they have like a robe scene where they like 
sneaking in and like pretending to be and uh because dex is somewhat of a comic relief i guess yeah um a little bit and i think that's what the actors he does that sort of shit before like um maybe he gets like wrapped up in like the ritual and is nearly sacrificed and they have to like save him and then like that's when like sky captain like breaks out like his fight like maybe there's a fight scene he gets caught yeah and they're gonna and he's like they're doing a ritual on him and so he ends up getting possessed and so sky captain has to fight him Mm -hmm. but like possessed there we go that's really good so and he's trying to remind dex of all the good times that they've had like Mm -hmm. throughout the years it's like remember when you made that like those springy shoes that like launched me up into the sky <laughs> or remember when you like created that that drink that mm-hmm. and we try to make our dicks bigger <laughs> i mean i'm just thinking of stuff you do you one. know what let's do one let's, right uh, now yeah okay uh x-ray glasses okay what if uh, although to be fair i your your thing did lead to an idea of what if a lot of the shit he's talking about is the kind of stuff you'd see in the like really dumb ads in comic books like send in two nickels and you can get a i don't know a colony of sea monkeys or whatever yeah but it's always like x-ray specs or like itching powder like all this shit like those are the, it's like, remember when you created <laughs> when remember when you when we got those sea monkeys and you tried to make them grow bigger and then they like grew to like dog size and we yeah. had to like hide them from our parents yeah i think that that would be really funny yeah and then i think that just like paulie fine paulie's like p- punching out a bunch of the other cultists because they're just like aristocrats and they're not used to fighting mm-hmm. and she just like finds a book and that reverses the exorcism or whatever like i i think in she finds the book and in that book these symbols are on it and mm-hmm. then they learn more about this like magic language that is being used yeah okay and they need that to like the map is more verbal signposts than it is like Mm -hmm. geographical it's not necessarily a map of the world it's more of just like handwritten directions yeah that's good so i think that will lead them out of the mansion and onto the next place mostly i just hate the narrative when somebody gets possessed the way they beat him is i know you're still in there yeah like every time so mostly i just made up the book because i didn't want that to be the re- the way that they saved dex yeah i think that i think that's still happening during the scene oh yeah he's trying good. It, and that's yeah. great i just i because everybody you would like i get it that it's like logical and i get why it's the narrative mm-hmm. trope that it is but i just like also i don't want Polly just to like stand around true for this yeah, this movie. I think maybe next they find the next location they need to go by. Like maybe it's in the book, or maybe there's something also mm-hmm. on the map that like leads to. Maybe there's something in the book, and it's I don't know. Pick a pick a random country that you'd see, and maybe it's in Germany. Like maybe they have sure. to go behind enemy lines. Yeah, I mean they're already behind enemy lines. Okay, but I think like deeper into like in Berlin, the heart of yeah. Oh yeah, they have to go to Berlin. That's good. Yeah, uh, um, and they need help getting that far behind beyond enemy lines. And maybe this is when they contact Frankie, and similar to yeah, how was... they did in the first movie, where they need to get to Nepal. Like, I my thought was that that they would rendezvous with Frankie to get to the castle somehow. The, like, I had an idea that maybe her ship was already like scouting that location out for a different reason or something 
but I, I I didn't really have a way to insert Frankie into the narrative other than a vague like thought. I got an idea. So at earlier you said that after they found the photographs and everything, they sent out sort of like a an APB, and they haven't heard anything yet until <clears throat> after this when they come back, they hear a message from Frankie saying like meet me now you need to get here now because we need to talk because arguably the all everything else is like somewhat beatable maybe not the death thing you know i actually have a way for them to get past the monocle okay that i kind of set up but i didn't again not having finished it i didn't really have a payoff for it yet so i think like that's the one that is the most like troublesome or something Mm -hmm. because it's like oh they he always sees what our next move is you know my thought is that the way that you used it was for little league baseball yeah and so she could see the next hit but like like the next play but i think that it's like very focused so like if they did like attacks from multiple angles he can't foretell all of them it's more Mm -hmm. of like he can tell what one of them is going to be or he can stop one of them but he can't necessarily so like in this one he was focused on shooting at sky captain that he didn't notice polly got it get the grenade and throw it at him like he was distracted and not focused not focusing the power on her or anything and that's i think how they end up beating him or that aspect of it is just like a multi-prong attack but like personally i think in a huge battle the scope of the battle is big enough that he can like pick out things it's much more of the like personal fight that is where that they can get him okay that works i spent a lot of time figuring out how this ubermensch worked and that really chewed into writing the rest of the pitch time oh yeah absolutely i can definitely see that i think once they like meet up with frankie she gives her them the lowdown it's like no this is like serious that i is like super troublesome like we have to beat that somehow and then that's when polly reveals that aspect of it it's like well, he didn't see me come in that one time, you know. Mm-hmm. That's good. And they're like, so we need to attack him from all angles, but we need to get him alone to do so. Mm-hmm. And that's when they need to get to the Gothic castle and they need to know why he's there. I mean, that's his um, base. His base. So they know yeah. where his base is. Well, that's okay. well, that was that's what I was saying was like they they know of a play like a, a base called like codename Valhalla, and they're pretty sure that's where the Ubermensch is like working out of. They just mm-hmm. don't know where it is. Okay. And so once they figure out where it is, then they're gonna they go and confront him at his base. And I mean, I think that it's like a, a fight scene. So there's like dog fights. There's ground infiltration. It's not just he's there chilling, and they get in. Like I think there is like a battle. I'm just imagining looking at like the map, sort of like the blueprint scene mm-hmm. from the first movie, where it was like sure. super confusing. And they're like pointing to stuff, and it's maybe there's something in the book that they're looking at to a bunch of like references to Norse mythology, like Valkyrie uh-huh. and Valhalla and Odin and shit. Like, and they have like it, it it's a bunch of points, and they draw a bunch of lines, and then it's like eventually that it, it's like there's a box around this one area. That could work, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I had with them finding the map at the occult party. Mm-hmm. Was it was a map to the castle, but I like yeah. that that idea of it. It's not a physical map. It's a like it, that, like you said. Then it gives them directions on where to like make markers and like make connections, and eventually, it's boxed around the yeah. on a map. So they go there, and then they fight him. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty much where we're at. Then they 
I think they infiltrate it. I think maybe Frankie and her airship, they're like, okay, I can give you guys like 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like before we have to pull out or we're going to all die. I'm not sacrificing my whole team just for this one mission, you know. Right. Um, well, and I don't know. To, I think to take down the Nazi super soldier. Yeah. They might be willing to. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe her crew mutinies. Maybe. And make instant to stay. I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I think, like, maybe she has, like, a cool scene at the beginning, like, saying, like, this is basically a suicide mission. We're going, like, this is, like, the headquarters of the Nazi army. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants out, you guys can leave now. Yeah, it's like we're, we're attacking a heavily fortified Nazi super science facility. All of them step forward to, like, be yeah. like, we're not going anywhere, Captain. Like we'll that. follow you into oblivion into valhalla but i mean again i guess we just come to the end of like they have a fight and i mean yeah i think that's one element of it that at least gives them the distraction to like parachute in and then take down the ubermensch i maybe during that battle they get into they can make his way through the castle and maybe there's a few like other yeah. like experiments that they like fight off like oh i like that not too many because i bet this would be towards the end of the movie but i think that we like, could use that as a way to separate sky captain and polly from like they'd probably come in with like a small team of frankie's mm-hmm. men and so then the men are like no you go we'll take care of this yeah and then it's a way to kind of keep get them to the top without i it a being too easy and two without them having a whole like basically any backup yeah i think maybe like there's some cool soldier or like soldier fights with like magic or technology. I I can imagine like a dude that could like teleport just like little instances, like mm-hmm. little or little little distances, and uh, they're trying to fight him. But every single time he pe- teleports, uh, the place where he's going to be, there's like a little pop, mm-hmm. and that's how like he overwhelms them at first. But then that's how they know that where he's going to sure. be so they hear that and then they're really fast and they like fucking like hit hit knock him out like as soon as he like reappears there should be uh for the theme and the genre thing there should be like a sort of monsterish man like genetic experiment frankenstein uh, yeah big brute um sort of but... that like wild wild west in that scene with the the metal man right you, have you seen it's that? been a while yeah um that's a movie that doesn't get a sequel. Yeah. Maybe there's a, a room where there's like a like a person who's multi- like cloning himself. I don't know. Maybe one room is just Adolf Hitler with his like sleeves rolled up and he's just ready to box. Yeah. But he's really good at it. Yeah. His name is Uber Hitler. Uber. Um, <laughs> um, no. What if there's a scene where... <laughs> It's never good. And this is so like, oh god. There's a scene where the there's it's just a single person, and it's a man who looks like the president, and he, I don't know, like this reluctance to like kill the president, even though they know it's not him. It's just like, or something Jesus like that. Christ. Like I'm just thinking of, of this like super America, like right? No, no, you know, I get you. like. It's like that's like the struggle is to like kill the president, and he's intended to be like a uh, he was supposed to be a plant or something, like a like replacement to, for yeah. they're gonna kidnap uh, FDR and replace him with this guy. Yeah, 
Maybe. I like. I kind of like that. I think that could be a very funny. Like, I I don't know. That's almost its own scene. Like full thing of like, we're not gonna kill the president. That's not the president. Yeah. But. Maybe he's not just the president. Maybe he's actually just a normal guy, but he's like fucking with their minds to make him look like the president or something. Mm. Maybe that's uh, maybe it's a dude that can plant memories into your head or something. I maybe know. I don't. I I think we have enough people. Okay. Without, okay. Without psychic FDR clone. <laughs> Are we sure? That sounds pretty pretty good once you say those words together you know yeah i know i think we've got <laughs> enough everything else that to make up for it so and then they get up to ubermensch he's playing an organ right as they enter of course <laughs> he's wearing a cape mm-hmm. um, and nothing else um, <laughs> and a cape on his dick yeah his dick has a cape yeah uncircumcised and he's played by the guy who was in the cape the cape is that the a- nbc really Kind of not great superhero TV show. Wow, never heard of this in my life. Yeah, it's. Are you talking about heroes? No. Heroes were born. <laughs> so they fight the Ubermensch. They need to distract him. So they, I think they split up initially. And what's his like weapon of choice? Is it a gun? Yeah, I mean that machine gun with the coin on it. So he's got basically infinite ammo. Okay. Here it might just be like swords. Like I think that. They've caught him in a close-up enough position that it may just be, like, hand-to-hand. Yeah. I mean, Jude Law's sword fighting the Ubermensch is mm-hmm. a pretty good image. Sorry, I got something in my... <laughs> is it a tear about how beautiful that scene would be? Yes, it is. Uh, maybe they... They're working their way through the rooms and everything, but maybe they sneak into this and they get a little bit of a jump on him. Mm-hmm. And they wrestle the, uh, the gun away. Sure. Uh, they, like knock it across and then like they maybe it gets knocked to Polly and she like throws it out the window and she's like what now motherfucker and then he like pulls out two swords and goes towards her then Sky Captain intervenes and grabs a sword off of the wall and then they start sure they probably need to get they need to neutralize the bracelet at that point because he would be Mm -hmm. fucking dope at sword fighting yeah and also he's got the monocle so he could uh, oh, he'd know Sky Captain's mo- like sword moves before he does them. So this whole time, when like they realize that as he's approaching Sky Captain, and he like doesn't know what to do, so like Dex and Polly maybe start throwing shit at him and mm-hmm. to distract him. So like he switches his focus to him. What if he? All right, so that happens, and then he comes up and just like he manages then to just get in there and punch him in the face and like break the monocle. Okay. And so he drops one of the swords, and that's when Sky Captain picks it up. Because I think with the Ubermensch still having as many of the um, tokens as he does, Joe just like getting, I guess he could, like you said, take another one off the wall. But I like the idea of then Joe like picking one up that he dropped and then going one on one. Yeah. No, we still have the bracelet. And I think there's a couple points where like Joe lands a pretty good hit, and then like Dex gets like starts bleeding. Yeah. And so then they have to take care of the the uh, dog tags. I think maybe um, so they get the gun away. Then he punches him, breaks the eye. He does the sword thing, grabs the sword. So now the two things they're combating are the dog tags and the bracelet. What if Dex has some sort of like super magnet thing, like device? Of course, they would take the swords too. I guess that wouldn't be yeah. like. I mean, it wouldn't make the most sense. It's uh, calibrated to a special frequency. Yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's calibrated to only uh, suck up bronze Bracelets. things, oh. <laughs> like gold things. Yeah, it's, I mean that 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 it's fine. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Or or so we have this whole magic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's some like spell or something that Polly learns to like make conjure one thing out, out to somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. Sure, that works. I like that, like, after this, guys, we're starting our five-part spinoff series, Polly Perkins, Sorceress Supreme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that sounds something that would, like, like a spinoff of a comic or something yeah. from this era. They, alright, so then it's just the dog tags. Yeah, then it's just the dog tags. And then, I think, maybe, I imagine, like, someone sacrifices themselves. I don't know if it's Sky or Dex. But to get it's very sky. close, you think it's sky? it's sky? Yeah. Okay. To just get close to him and stab him, and maybe I don't know, like if the person can the person doesn't control where it goes to, like who gets hurt instead. Right. But he like stabs him, gets him like really in the gut, and it transfers to Sky Captain, mm-hmm. and then he grabs. Maybe they stab each other at the same mm-hmm. time, and he grabs the dog tags off of him. So, like, the mm-hmm. wound that he just created is a mortal wound. I had an now. idea about Sky Captain jumping out of a window of this, like, into the sea or something and taking the dog tags with him. Okay. And then, like, the Ubermensch drowns on dry land. That's an interesting thing. I'm trying to think of the logistics of everything, of this scene. Like, I mean, we just invented a magnet that only attracts whatever the fuck metal that bracelet's made out of like <laughs> I, I think I, logistics aren't our huge concern i i'm thinking maybe uh they try to overwhelm him when he's just at the dog tags but they can't do it because every single time they hit him he like it gets transferred to another yeah. one of them he grabs sky captain by like the throat and like carries him over to the window ready to drop mm-hmm. him and at that time like polly like distracts him and then that's when sky captain grabs it Mm-hmm. and then falls out the window yeah and in the sky he puts it on like you said and then in the water s- splat i think he's holding i, I want to i think he has to hold him in his hand because i imagine if he's if i think that they never find his body sky captain yeah so i mean then he would have lost them i don't like i i think for the ending of our trilogy and for this kind of thing i think losing sky captain is our best bet but if he had the dog tags and he landed he would have survived right yeah, but I mean, he could have like lost them after that and drowned. Yeah, that's true. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and he becomes a legend and like a war hero. And yeah, okay. And then we see a ghost of a plane fly by at the end. Yeah. Uh, so did we do it? I think we did it. I think that's it, right? Well, you'd say that, but post-credit scene. Fuck. Sky Captain wakes up in the hospital, but it's the future, and Nick Fury is there. That's right, prequels. Sky Captain is going to be in my Equalizers Avengers movie alongside the Gorgonites, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, and he's like, you're going to be Captain America, too. <laughs> yeah. Also, you're also going to be Captain America. You're going to be Sky Captain America. And Jude Law's like, I'm not American. And then the credits roll. Yeah. 
<laughs> he looks at Nick Fury's lens cap. And yeah. I see. No, but I, I am serious. I'm going to work Sky Captain in. Sky Captain is now part of my weird Equalizers Avengers team. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't know where Jude Law is from. Oh, he's British. Is he British? Mm-hmm. Then he could be Captain Britain, which is a superhero. Right. But I mean, Sky Captain is American in yeah. the movie. I, I, I knew what you were going for, but you're wrong. I'm just saying it could work. All right. Well, there it is. There the, it is. Not only the end of Sky Captain and the Man of Tomorrow, which I guess this I meant to bring this up again. This this pitch kind of took form over several drafts and ideas. Um, there was going to be like the Nazi scientist who put all this shit together and made the Ubermensch, who also I want to be played by Stephen Amell, uh, CW's The Arrow. Oh, okay. Uh, and the the scientist was going to talk about how his how Stephen Amell's character is the Ubermensch, the Man of Tomorrow. Okay. That's why I called it as such. Was, but again, things that I intended got lost in rewrites, and then I, th- I think it's good. I think that fits though. They still work. I know, I just meant that's why it's called that, because it never came up in the actual pitch. <laughs> Got it. I think we did it. We did our we did our trilogy. We did it. There are things that I think that if we do this again, we could do different, but it was a good... I think we did a good trilogy. Yeah. We went from Little Rascals to the trenches of World War II. Yeah. As all good trilogies do. Yeah. Star yeah. Wars did that. Star um, Wars did it. The Godfather. Godfather. I remember, yeah. Little Michael. Little Sonny. Little Fredo, <laughs> Frey Frey, Frey Frey. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, then if we did it, Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. People can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching the Equalizers. You can also get in contact with us on Facebook and Twitter at the Equalizers. Gmail equalizers at gmail.com. We have an Instagram account. It is the underscore equalizers where we post a little teaser for the upcoming week. And we told you what was coming up this week, so no one's impressed. This one doesn't count, guys. Yeah. This is asterisk on it next in the record books. Yeah. Uh we are also on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think IMDb as well, uh, as King Dwarf 69. Yeah. If you want to read those good, good reviews. Special thanks on our theme song, Rock Thing. Go to Creo. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. So, for the Equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. <laughs> To be continued. Ooh, goodbye.